It is good to see everybody in the house of the Lord, the first of the year. Let's go ahead and jump right in. I've got notes that I've prepared for weeks. I don't know if I'm going to preach any of them, but let me tell you, I'm ready to go. God has given a great word this morning. How many people have ever seen a movie where somebody that did not know their identity, maybe they didn't know that they were an heir to the, the great fortune, and they were searching for this person, and they found that person, and all of a sudden, an identity change happened. Anybody ever seen something like that? Or I love the movies, especially about royalty, where somebody didn't know that they were in line, they, they didn't know that they had a pedigree, it's, you know, that said that they were royalty and, and the people in charge of that was looking for them. And the day that came that they found that person, that person stepped into a new identity. There, there was what we call revelation or knowledge of their identity came upon them. So they began to see life differently. This morning, some of you realize what I'm talking about. When you come to Christ, you step into your identity as a son or a daughter of the King of the universe, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. <clears throat> you know, I, I love, I love that thought of confessing our identity because it reminds us of who we are in Christ Jesus. Now, now this morning, if, if you do not know what the Word of God says, that doesn't make the Word of God untrue. Well, Pastor, I've never heard that before. So, get in the Bible and look. And let me just tell you this morning that if you don't agree with me, that's all right. But if you disagree with the Word of God, there's going to be things that will line up in your life that are out of whack. So, so it's very important for you to take what I have to say, line it up with the Word of God. Make sure that the Word of God is being spoken over your life. That, that's what I do in my life, and I encourage you to do it in your life. As, as we were talking about just in the last few weeks, how important it is as children of God, children of the King, is to realize contentment that's working in our life. Because if we are, are in that place where we can be content with where we are, that we can rest in Him, knowing that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that it might not be the place that we're going to end up. We know that. That isn't contentment. That isn't settling. But there, there's, a, there's a place of rest realizing that as the work of God is being acted out in our life, we're working the faith that we have, that we can rest assured that God is in control and not, not me, not you. Uh, we, we talked about when we allow other people to dictate our contentment. When, when, when somebody can speak in our life, you know, we use the illustration about the guy in uh, uh, Southern Africa that that sold his farm and went to look for diamonds because someone stopped by his house and said, man, they're finding diamonds all over uh, India. So he sells everything, his farm. He puts his family in a rent house. He goes to uh, India to look for diamonds. He can't find diamonds. He, he's at, you know, he just he depressed. He, he kills himself. But, it, but the story that we talked about a few weeks ago is that then the new owner that bought the farm was out plowing his field and he began to have to put rocks aside because it was just filled with rocks. And he thought, what have I bought? 
Until one day, a, a, a traveling visitor, it was a priest that we talked about, sat at his table and said, what in the world is that on your mantle? And he goes, well, that's kind of pretty. It shows, you know, the light through it. But I, I got so many of them out in my field, I can't hardly even plow the garden next to my house without hitting rocks like that. And the priest said, that is a diamond in the raw. And so they took the diamond that was so big that he just kind of put it as a, you know, kind of one of those knickknacks on the, the little mantle there in his house. And they took it down and it was worth $100,000. I mean, just incredible story about diamonds being under the person's feet that didn't even realize it. And he went looking for something else. We talked about contentment. And when you allow somebody else to speak in your life, you aren't all that. The temperature, what I, I, I kind of re related it to, begins to drop. We begin to be cold. We begin to kind of say, you know, life is this and that. That's just life. You, you hear people doing that, and, and we, we don't do that as believers. We, we know who we believe in, and we know that He's going to bring where we are to completion. So, so this morning, as we continue on, uh, dreams give our dream gives us hope. I, I want to remind you about last week and how we walked into this sermon series of of how God gives us a dream, which gives us a purpose and a mission in life. That that we are content realizing that God has us as we're walking out that dream. We don't have to, you know, feel like we're always having a tight shirt on. You know, it just don't feel good. Kind of like taking a shower with your socks on, you know. I just don't. I just don't. I'm just not happy. Well, come on, get happy. Go buy you a sucker, suck all the red off of it or whatever it is, and put a smile on your face. God has you where He wants you, as long as you're trusting in Him. Good, feel good. Get that off me there. All right, let's get on. Last week we talked about Joseph and how Joseph had a dream, and just some of you have never heard the story of Joseph. And let me just kind of summarize a lot of it. We'll read a portion. But but the story is that he has a dream and he calls his brothers. Now he's got uh, 10 brothers at the time. They come down, uh, they come around him and he tells the dream that he is putting all this uh, uh, sheaves together. They're out uh, creating or bringing in the harvest and, and they're gathering sheaves, which is, you know, stocks. And, and his stocks in his dream they rose up. <clears throat> now that'd be pretty wild. But in the dream, all the brothers' sheaves or stocks raised, raised up, and then they came around his and bowed down to his. <clears throat> and, and so they're listening to this. Wow, that's whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. You, you mean we're going to, does that mean we're going to come and bow down to you? You little snot. Face kid, we're not doing that. <clears throat> and it said they begin to be jealous. Now remember this. Then the next scene is he has, even though he's been made fun of, he has another dream where the sun and the moon and ten stars bow down to him. And what now? Mom and dad said, what? You're, you're telling me that me and your mother and your brothers are going to bow down to you? He had another dream. This is the second dream. So when he tells them that second dream, they begin to go, eh. 
all of a sudden, here's this young 17-year-old boy, and we're going to talk about how we get to the place of walking in our identity, even in the place where we don't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it. I don't know if you know that, that when you go to see a movie, a lot of times that movie, if it is a movie, let's say about finding identity and they walk in now this new, you know, they're the, they're the heir to the fortune. They're the heir to the kingdom, whatever. All of a sudden, the, the movie is to revoke or to invoke, I believe is the word, a response on your part, an emotion that you feel something. Some of the best movies throughout history has put that feeling upon us that we could feel something. And, and so many times we want to feel it and we don't feel it. That, eh, it's no good. It's when we have to feel it to believe it, faith ceases to exist. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says faith is being sure that things we hope for, and certain of the things we do not see. We put our hope in what we're believing, we're working out by faith in our life. Even though we don't use our senses to prove it to being in existence, until when it manifests, when it comes into the physical realm, when we can actually see it, then we don't have to have faith for it anymore. So, so this morning, I want you to see how we're going to, when God gives us a God-given dream, it gives us purpose, it gives us mission, it, it gives us an objective in our life not to have to see it. it it's sometimes a lifelong dream that takes place. Last week we talked about Joseph and, and how this, this process of a, a dream begins to take place. And if you're taking notes and you didn't write it down last week, these are some things that I, I, I want you to remember. These five stages of a dream. I thought it. That's the stage that you say, what if that actually took place in my life? What if that actually occurred that God has given me something that if it actually took place? Wow. The second is the I caught it stage. It becomes contagious. The excitement begins to bubble up. And some of you know what I mean in this stage. There, there's just, oh. It's just like, wow, you know, I can't wait. The I bought it stage is the third stage, and this is probably where they separate the men from the boys, the girls from the women. You know, the I bought it stage. This is the stage that you're willing to pay the price for the dream. Not somebody else, not Pastor John, not mommy, not daddy, not the boss at work that's going to make a way or there seems to be. No. You, this is the I bought it stage where you have the realization that it's going to take sacrifice on your part to trust God. That you're going to walk this out and it's not, okay, give me patience, but I want it right now. Some of you caught that. It's a process. It's the I bought it stage. This is where, if you talk to someone that says, well, and you say, what, what is your dream? And like, well, it was this. And you know, I just had all these bad breaks. You know, my husband was a lot better looking when he was younger. And I don't know what happened. And because of that, that's where I'm at now. They become the victim. The I bought it state says, I'm going to take responsibility of realizing that my God can bring me through this to, to what he's promised me. I bought it state. Then I, the next stage is the I got it stage. Actually, when it manifests in the physical realm. Now again, a lot of times when your dream manifests in physical realm, when you can actually see it, that, that's when you can see it, taste it, touch it, feel it. 
that's when probably the people around you get excited. They go, oh, wow, did it great. And you're kind of like, yeah. And they don't get it. Because you got it back all the way back into that stage of I caught it. That's when it became, see, the dream has always been real. Maybe it hasn't been visible, but it's always been real. Let me tell you, there, there, there's, I'm not trying to downplay the day that it, I got it, I, the, the manifestation, that, the actual visible thing that happens in your life to prove it. But I'm just saying that to realize that when you get there, it is a, a, a manifestation of actually what has happened, it should have happened way back in your life when you caught it. Then, then the next stage I just put is the I taught it stage. When you, when you can begin to share what God has done in your life and through that. The, the Bible says that his brothers are way out into the uh, pasture. They're way, I mean, days possibly away from home. And his, Joseph's father sends him out to look for the, the brothers and they're, they're shepherds. So they're keeping the sheep. And the Bible says that when... They see him at a distance coming up. And the thing is that his father's loved him so much that he's given him a coat of many colors. I mean, it's, it's you know, wow. you know, I don't know anybody can pull it off, but I think you can. You know, the whole colorful robe. And they see that robe probably from a distance because they say, here comes that dreamer. I love participation, by the way. Someone can yell out a wrong answer and you'll get grace from me. At least you're participating. <laughs> Not on purpose, wrong answer, but you know what I mean. Nodhead, no. Okay, so they see him from a distance and they go, here comes that dreamer. They begin to make fun of the dream that God has given him. Now, now think about this. They make fun of his dream and what does he do? He's already come up with this other dream that God has given him. It's, it's the same thing, but they don't believe. Now, again, let me just before we go on, remind you that when the enemy begins to put people inside of you, inside of your life as obstacles to getting to the dream, the outside pressure, which in this case so far, you can include his brothers and maybe even his mother and his father that don't believe the dream. The enemy is not stupid in thinking that he's going to stop you by stopping God. He knows he can't stop God. But all he has to do is stop you believing that God is the provider of the dream. Now stop just right where you're at. Isn't that true? Sometimes the dream is so big, you go, you know, <laughs> you kind of get a blood, you know, little schoolhouse girl, you know. <laughs> God, could you do that for me? And all it has to, just, just a little word, boom, boom, boom. that's all you. And all of a sudden, you say, yeah, that's all me. God didn't provide that dream or didn't give me that dream. And that quick, it's over. And all he has to do is stop you believing that God provided that for you. That, that new identity that you step into when you become a believer that God has given you in, in the covenant. And let me remind you that every month we take the Lord's Supper on the 
first Sunday of the month. We do that to remind us of what God has done for us on the cross. But again, the covenant, the, the New Testament covenant, the new covenant for the believer is that, that all the things that God has has given to us. See, some, sometimes that, that's too much. And so many times when we get a problem, we make our God as big as the problem. Well, God, I don't know if you can handle that. But when our God is big, there's nothing. We, we sing songs, and really what songs are, again, is a confession. And a lot of people will say, man, I, I kind of like the worship better than the, the Word. And the reason why is because you're acting on feeling. You're confessing it when you're singing it, and all of a sudden your ears are hearing it, and you're going, oh, come on, come on. Get out of the way, Lisa. I could do that better. Hallelujah. I gotta watch it. I sit up here on the front row and sometimes I sing so loud I think I might throw them off. Okay, okay. So the, the enemy comes in and begins to try to talk you out of it. The God is the provider of the dream. Now, now let me tell you this no one's no, I don't care who they are, no one's no competes with God's yes. When God says yes, you just say, ah, 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 ah. talk to the hand. You're talking to the hand. You're not talking to me? No. So here's the brothers. They're talking bad about him, you dreamer. But when he shows up after they say, here comes that dreamer, they grab him, they throw him in a pit. Now, can we all agree that's an obstacle to the dream? Some of us have been in the place where you feel like you've been in the pit. You're going to be promoted in your job and the next week you lose your job. You, What happened, God? They throw him in a pit and they're trying to decide what they're going to do. Either they're going to kill him or something else. A brother talks him into selling him into uh, slavery. Ishmaelites, there's a group of people that are traveling merchants. They show up on the scene. They sell their brother into slavery. Okay? So again, the dream is what is happening in Joseph? We don't know everything that's happening in Joseph. So it, let me just say, probably in your own experience, you can guess what's happening in Joseph. It might be wrong. But chances are, at this moment, it could be right. Things like, God, where are you? Were you really in the dream? Did I eat bad pizza last night? Well, well, why did I get that? They take the robe from him. Again, it's a sign of favor from his father, but they strip him of the outward sign of favor. They're in a pit. He's in a pit without the robe. There's no motion. Now he's being sold into slavery. But, but here's what I want you to think about. And, and I wrote this in my Bible. At the moment that he gets on the caravan or in the caravan to go to Egypt, the Ishmaelites don't realize that they're providing transportation for the dream. And Joseph could have fought them, 
Just think if he would have known, you know, Kung Fu or Bruce Lee or, oh, I'm going to... Karate Kid. Oh, took them all day. Would he have been out of the will of God? God had a plan for him. And the dream inside of him needs to get to Egypt. God puts him in a place, and again, here's what I said last week, and I just, out of all the love that I have for you, I know that sometimes we go through pain and we don't understand why we're going through this, but because you're going through things in your life that seem negative does not mean that God isn't in it. God is not creating the meanness in your life. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that. But because the enemy has put obstacles in your way to keep you I just thought of something. And let me step out of the story just a minute. When Jesus is in the boat going to the other side, remember that the storm comes up and is blowing. Everybody with me on this? The storm is blowing and, and the disciples say, Hey, don't you care if we're going to die? And he gets up and he goes, Die? Didn't I not say we're going to the other side? And then he says, Peace. And, and the storm dies, remember? And then what happens right when he gets to the other shore? It's the demon-possessed man that comes out. And he's set free of the demon possession. And I just wonder if so many times in the middle of the storm we start allowing our faith to implode. Well, God, I guess you're not in it. You wouldn't put me in the storm. But the enemy comes against us to keep us from the other side. To see the release or the, the demon-possessed man free. He's sold into slavery. He gets in the caravan. He goes to Egypt. And what's going on in his mind could be going on in your mind. What does tomorrow hold? I don't know. Now, now listen. What, what's going on into his mind or in his mind is so important in your mind and my mind. It, it's those pictures that we have taken in our past that keep coming up. Because listen to this, we are what we repeatedly do. Success is not an action, but a habit. When we're talking about success in our life in this, in this realm, that, that we begin to say to ourselves the confessions of the Word of God instead of what we're feeling. Pastor John, how are you so good at that? Because I do it myself! I'm not standing up here saying, I've got this all handled. I'm just telling you what I do. I, do, I try not to go on what I see. Because I tell you, sometimes the things in my life don't look good. So it's the confession that comes out of my mouth that my ears are hearing that I am part of the New Covenant, the New Testament. I am part of uh, uh, the God that is my Father that loves me, that is going to provide for me. He gets to Potiphar's house and it seems like the, he's got the cream effect. You know what I mean? He just rises to the top. It, it almost, I almost have to believe that there's something going on in his life that is missing in some of our lives. And that is standing firm on the Word of God. And, and the reason why is because I believe that is why he goes to the top of Potiphar's house. Now, now, in Potiphar's house, Potiphar is the chief, uh, he's like the commander over the chief of the guard, of the king, Pharaoh. 
And he's bought Joseph, brings him into his house. You know, he's just a kid. But he rises to the power of running the whole household. Extremely probably wealthy man, has a lot of different people working for him, has a lot of different income, streams of income that are coming. Well, Joseph is the mover and the shaker. He's the one that knows everything. He knows where everything is, how to manage the money and all that. The favor's on him. And it, it, it can almost, come on now. If you got any imagination and God gives you a dream, don't you kind of start looking, God, you're going to do that, right? Huh? I know, I see it. I see your hand moving in that area. I just wonder if Joseph wasn't thinking, I might be the chief commander of the guard one day and take Potiphar's place, and my brothers will, that's probably how it work. They'll, they'll probably come to Egypt because of me. You know the rest, right? The story? Let me, let me tell you that what happens is that Potiphar's wife comes in and tries to... Chicka chicka bang You know what I mean? Try, tries to propose some doings. She has the dress. Lo and behold... Can I just say that that's sexual temptation? But can I just say there's temptation that comes into our life? And temptation comes in and says, Hey, hey, come on over here. Forget that dream. Now, now begin thinking. In your own life, isn't there temptations that come in to try to shortcome or take a shortcut or try to... Nobody's going to... And I wonder if Joseph doesn't start playing maybe a little bit of a mind thing. This probably didn't happen one time. This probably was a, a slow process. Come on, come on. She had to come hither eyes. Maybe things like, you know, she's probably done this before. She probably knows how to cover it up. Nobody's going to know. And the Bible says that, boom, he leaves, it, he runs. Now, gentlemen, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know. I'm not, gonna, I'm not a woman, so I don't. But, gentlemen, you know what I'm talking about. He needs to get out of there now. And the Bible says that she grabs him by the coat. He has a problem with coats, doesn't he? <laughs> Boom! She, she has the coat and he runs out of the house. She still has the coat. So she starts lying about, he tried to do this to me, he tried to do that. Now, the, if you know the story, you're, you're like, yeah, 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 I heard that before. But think about some of the inside story. Th think about this. That in that time period, he's the... He's a very high official. So if the word gets out that his slave tried to rape his wife, come on. Wouldn't it have been just easier to cut his head off or kill him some way and be done with it? But, but Potiphar puts him into prison. Now this is John Miller. This is not in the Bible. But I believe that because of the integrity that Joseph had all the way up to this time, Potiphar had to scratch his chin and go, I got to do something. My wife back here is probably lying. I don't want to kill him because the favor of God's on his life. How can you understand? I mean, how in the world could I be where I am, Potiphar's saying, if it wasn't for Joseph? 
So he doesn't kill Joseph, but he puts him in prison again. What's so amazing is even in prison, nobody could touch him because God's hand is upon him to live out the dream that he's walking out by faith. Nobody's going to touch him just like Potiphar could have killed him. No, no, nobody's going to touch him. And when he goes to prison, think about all the people that were in prison that could have touched him. You know, like the Joker and the Penguin and Scott Two-Face and Corleone. But with God's favor on his life, he's, God says, nobody's going to touch you. In prison, he is there for years. And he's beginning to grow, you know, little whiskers and he's growing up and things aren't looking good. Now, the point I'm going to make over and over that I want you to hear is not that he just goes through hard times. But this is over years. Don't we hate that part of the story? We don't mind suffering as long as we know that there's a quick end you know, coming. But he's still, by faith, living and walking out the dream. Even though he doesn't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, I- I'm still going to believe, God, that you are true, you're faithful, you're promise keeper, you're a way maker. he begins to rise until he's right under the warden. Think about the favor on his life that even in the midst, even when you are not where you believe you should be, you know what? You know, there's always the person that comes in and goes, you know, I'm ready to manage the hotel. No, no. You go back and make your bed and clean your car before you even think about promotion. But Joseph is working the dream. God has put in my heart that I'm going to be in a place, I don't know if it's a ruler, I don't know, but it's a high position, and even to the place my family will come and bow down. Favor. I got four kids, and all of them want to be named Joe. Short for Joseph. I'm walking around and they're giggling, you know. <laughs> we don't even have to tell those other brothers and that sister that you love me more than all them. <laughs> well, while he's in prison and all this stuff is happening and the Bible says that one day two guys are thrown into prison. One is the butler, one is the baker. I don't know what happened to the candlestick maker. But those two guys are in the prison. And they're sitting in there and and they they come to Joseph because he's interpreted dreams and he said, hey, they're having a dream. Can you interpret? He comes in, he says, God can interpret. Tell me a dream. And and just in brief, the the baker has done something that's wrong and he's not going to be restored to his position in the government. But the butler, he interprets his dream that he will be restored. And Joseph says, when you do, remember me. It's exactly what has happened. The, the baker is killed, the, uh, found out to be guilty and, and is killed. The, the butler is brought in to 
back into his position, which again, a, a butler or a cupbearer is similar to what Nehemiah did. And if you don't know that story, you need to read that story. The food taster before the... So he's extremely valuable to the king because he's trustworthy. You know, just a note on butlers in our life. They're, they're people that open the doors for us. And, and the problem a lot of times is that we don't see people in our life as butlers because sometimes we think of them as tormentors. <laughs> but they're people that God has placed in our life. And as we say a lot around here, as I say, that when we look and long and expect for God to work in our life, we treat people differently, not just because we believe that we want to love them because they walk on us or they do us wrong. No, no. If you want to go spiritual, you know, you can say they're angels in disguise. But really, I believe that God puts people a lot of times in our life to provide a way where we would have never thought that we could have a way. This person that we just was nice to and we showed the love of God to. And this is what happens. The, the, the butler is restored back to, to power, but he forgets Joseph for two years. That joker. That, no, did I say that? See, that's what you want to do. You want to see him walking down the hall at work and go, you wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for me. I didn't even get a gift card for Christmas this year. No, you wouldn't even be in that position making that money if it wasn't for me. But God's working the dream in Joseph's life to the place that the day comes that all of a sudden, all the things that Joseph had been doing, I, I believe even his resume with Potiphar came up. But I believe especially his resume with the butler came up of what he had done in his past when the, the knock on the door happened. And the king, probably the most powerful man in this region, if not the world, has a dream. And it's bothering him because he keeps thinking about it and he keeps thinking about it and he keeps thinking about it and nobody can interpret it. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the reputation of the, the believer, are you hearing me? The reputation of the believer has gone before him. And the Bible says they start talking, man, we got a problem. we got a problem. Who can solve the problem? We've talked about that. You, as believers, are anointed to solve the problem. Now, don't fall asleep on me because some of you can get all caught up and I've already heard that story and the Holy Spirit can't talk to you today. Because Jimmy just celebrated his sixth birthday on Facebook. All right. Come on, stay with me. I'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak. And the Bible says that here is Joseph and he's in the, he's in the prison. And, and they tell me, that what I've studied, is the prisons were no taller than four feet tall in, in Egypt at this time. So for years, those prisoners had to always be down like this. How miserable. Even being the head of the prison, how miserable. Not to have his freedom, but he's still believing the dream. I'm asking you today to continue to believe what God has put in your heart, even though you might not have seen it manifest in your life. And the Bible says that when they begin to ask around, they go, there's a guy down here in prison. 
that has interpreted dreams. And the butler stands up and goes, ooh, I forgot. But the guy interpreted my dream. His name is Joseph. Now, from this moment to the, the, just moments. And every time I hear this story, this is the part that, that this is just my part. He's been doing this for years. And let's say, let's say somewhere over there is the prison. And the king is here. He doesn't realize, Joseph doesn't realize within a matter of maybe an hour, he is going to be walking and seeing his dream take place. How close is he? The word comes, the Pharaoh wants you to come because he has a dream to interpret. Again, maybe you've heard this sermon in a different way where Joseph could have said, I'm not doing it. I've been down here in prison. Nobody remembered me. Who told him? The butler? Okay, I'm not going. I'll show the butler. I'll interpret his next dream when he comes to prison. You're going to die. The, the Bible says that Joseph has been walking. They, they send for him and he, he's got to clean up. Who knows if he has a Rip Van Winkle beard. I don't know how old he is. Might have had to trim his eyebrows. The older I get, I always get a kick out of going to the hairstylist because it's not a barbershop anymore. And they say, would you like your ears trimmed? What? I don't have any hair on my ears. Sorry, sir, you do. So I don't know what he looked like, but they trimmed him up. Did a little hygiene on him. Huh? Put him in a nice smelling robe. Who knows? Maybe it had a few colors on it. And they, good luck, dreamer. And he begins to interpret the dream. And now I'm not going to go into the interpretation because I want to encourage you to read it. Book of Genesis. Google it. Genesis, Joseph. It'll come up. If you don't have a Bible, the Bible says that he comes into the presence of royalty. Do you remember? I mean, do, do you understand that people didn't even see the Pharaoh, let alone get in his presence and be talking to the Pharaoh because they thought he was God, Ra, the sun god. And so here he is talking to a prisoner that's a foreigner and asking, What do you think? The opportunity presents itself. Please hear me on this. Many times that we have talked about God put us in the right place at the right time to meet the right people, to bring about everything that you have for me and my destiny. And God, please help me to be aware of it when it happens. We don't want to live in regret that we are going through life, you know, hoop -hoop -hoop, passing through opportunity after opportunity. That we're aware that when we see people, we're talking to people that we're not. But we're embracing, we're finding out their story and we're interested. And the Bible says that he interprets the dream of Pharaoh. 
And let me just read this to you. This is what happens when he predicts the will of God in the meaning of the dream of what's going to happen. He says, when, when he gives that message to Pharaoh about there's going to be seven bad years of uh, famine, but it's going to be previous, it's going to be the good years of plenty and prosperity. Pharaoh. Now, now think about, who's the scaredest man probably in the room at this time? Potiphar. No, I'm kidding. I don't know if Potiphar's there or not, but I'm sure if he was, he's like, oh no. Mildred. I just named his wife Mildred. I don't know. In Genesis chapter 41, verse 41, 41, verse 41, all of a sudden the dream becomes vivid. It becomes, it manifests. All of a sudden you can sell coffee out of that. Come on. You're slow, but you're worth waiting on. Come on. Some of you are so busy reading the Scripture, you're not even listening. The coffee shop. Manifestation of a dream. Here, here's what it said. forty-one. Some of you need to live by the Genesis 41.41. This is going to happen in my life. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. That right there, we need to just rest upon. Oh, God, you're going to give me eternity? Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And yo, yo, yo! I'm Joseph. Verse 43, he had him ride in a sweet chariot as his second in command and men shouted before him, Make way for the dreamer! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Make way for the dream. It's now reality. All the critics, all the doubters, hear ye, the dream has come. Make way for the dream. I'm going to fast forward. Hold on. The day comes when the brothers come to Egypt looking for food in the seven years of famine, and they see this Egyptian guy doesn't even know, they don't even know it's Joseph, their brother. And Joseph on the day he goes through a series of things that happen, which is hilarious. You got to read it. You got to read the Word of God. That he reveals himself to his brothers, and they have a just a cry party. I mean, it's great. And he says what was meant to be mean or evil, God had a plan in it. Now, now I want you to hear this because all the things that happen, if, if you've ever gone to a funeral, and I've gone to a lot of them because I'm a, I'm a pastor and I do funerals, and th th there's always a thing that sometimes we refer to as the dash. Anybody ever heard that of the dash? With the day you're born and the day you die, there's a dash. 1975 to 2050. The guy lived 70 years, but between the day he was born and the day is the dash. It's living the dream in that period, the dash, the life that you're living. 
See, we get caught up in that we're going to only live 75 years. But hear me. If you live 120 years and everybody goes, talk to him. He's full of wisdom. He's 125 years. That's nothing to eternity. We're going to live forever and ever. It starts the day that you come into your relationship and make Jesus Lord of your life. So living out, going through all the obstacles that he went through, the, the pit, the criticism of being a dreamer, the Ishmaelites and selling the merchant, you know, care of obstacle. Then, then he gets to Potiphar's house. Obstacle, I don't want to be a slave. I'm not a slave. Obstacle, Potiphar's wife, come on, big boy. Obstacle, goes to prison. Butler and the obstacle, all obstacles, but he continues in the dash, the time of his life, and saying, you know what, God? You put this in my heart, and I'm going to work by faith, even though I don't see it, taste it, touch it. I can't feel it. So this morning, when you stop and think of Joseph's dream benefited the known world at that time, The world went through a great famine where who knows how many people would have died if it wasn't for Joseph's dream of collecting food in the seven good years so that they'd have food in the seven... How many... But here's what I want you to think about because a lot of times it's it's the feeling again. So I'm going to give you something to feel. But his dream changed his family because the dream provided for their existence. They would have died in Israel. God provided through the dream of Joseph. Your your family, including your church family, needs you to walk out your dream. Man, I love that. The Bible says that the family settles they, they camp out. They live in the best part of Egypt, which is called Goshen. The Pharaoh says, give them the best. So here comes his family and all the carts that he even sent with good stuff to pick up the family, brings them to Egypt. They settle in the best part of Egypt. There's nobody making fun of Joseph. I bet some of those brothers that were critics are going, by the way, my brother's Joseph. Dropping his name in the right places. Joseph, it says, has two sons. And one of them, his name is Manassas. Does anybody know what that means? It means that God has helped me forget the past. One translation, I I love it because it says this. Past, shut up. This morning, you you need to maybe name something Manassas. It might be, who knows? It might be a nickname to your son. It might be a dog name. I don't know, but you need to constantly. Manassas. Past, shut up. Because your past always wants you to say, quit. All the things that have happened, you just quit. You're a victim. If you were young enough, if you were better looking, if you were more educated, if this morning, can we together 
where two or three are gathered in his name. He said, what we bound on earth will be bound in heaven and vice versa. So this morning, can we agree in prayer for each other's dream that God has placed in our heart? Dreams that our children will come back to serving him that have gone away. Maybe some of us have a dream of restoring our marriage and our relationships better than they once were. Huh? That, that a husband can look at his wife and then the wife can look at her husband with that first Valentine look. Come on. You can have a dream for that. That relationship can be restored after all these years of hurt. Manassas. Past, shut up. I'm gone. I'm gone forward. God's given me a dream. Maybe some of you have believed and God has given you that the dream of a promotion in your career. And maybe you're telling yourself, well, I don't have all this and I don't have... There's people in our church that have said that and now they're rising to the top and they even got further to go because they believe God is who He says He is and He can do what He says He can do. Can we believe for a church that can change the community that God has put us in? What, what we say around here a lot of time is amen, and that sounds like yes or okay. But what it means is, so be it. So that's why I love when you go, amen, amen. So be it. We're agreeing together. So can we believe for a church that can change the community that God has put us in? Amen? Amen. Amen. So be it. Let's give God a hand this morning. God, thank you. Would you just close your eyes just for a few minutes? But it's so important just in a few minutes. This morning, I want you to think with me. If this morning you have never made a confession of faith, if, if this morning you have never said, God, I ask for forgiveness of my sins. I repent. God, I, I, I turn from that. God, because I want you to be Lord of my life. I receive what you did on the cross for me and dying for my sins that I might be forgiven. But God, I, I'm so thankful that God, by your choice, and now my choice in receiving you, that I can spend eternity with you. God, I can put my hope in you. And I can tell my past to be silent, to be quiet. Because God, you have redeemed me. You have brought me back to full value of what you created me for. And I receive that today. If this morning you're here, let me tell you, the most important decision that you'll ever make is who's Lord of your life. And this morning I encourage you to say, God, I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Father, thank you now for my friends that are here. God, there might be somebody here that I never see again. God, I ask that you be with us wherever we go, whatever we do. The God, that we don't have to feel, taste, touch. God, that, that your wonderful spirit, because God, we believe by faith the God that you're with us and you'll never leave us nor forsake us. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen.